And so uh, God is still moving. He's still uh, working in our hearts and our lives. And as we've looked at these five pillars, um, the important things and what we need to focus in on. I just shared that the church, the name for the church uh, in Greek is ekklosia, which means a mission or a group of people that are organized to do something. And, and we're organized to share the gospel and make disciples. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15, and he said, If I'm delayed, you will know how the people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And so we want to continue to, to be uh, faithful to what God has called his church to be, what Jesus established. Uh, what we're doing right now is we're part of a link of a chain that goes back 2,000 years. 2,000 years ago, there were a group of people that Jesus trained and equipped, and he said, I want you to tell the world that there's hope, there's grace, and there's purpose to life. And I want you to continue this on and throughout the years. Now, good and bad has happened in the church. Uh, we got to be honest. But God is still faithful within the church, and he's been doing great things throughout all of those years. And we started uh, the first Sunday with the importance of worship, that God wants participators, not spectators. Uh, as we watch the, the season with all the sports and there's no, no fans, we recognize um, that the game can still be played without the fans. And, and really, God is calling us to be participators. It's, it's great that you came here this morning. It's great that you're participating in this service. But it's much more important that we walk away from here and live this every day. That Monday through Saturday, that we're participating in what God's doing. That we're part of a deep relationship. Because that's what Christ established on the cross. He, he established you and I to have a close relationship with him day to day. So we want to have worship. And so our first pillar here at the church is worship. We want to worship God with our hearts and our souls. And we want to do it in a spiritual way. That we're connecting to eternal things. And we are worshiping God because he's the only one that's worthy of our worship. Next, we talked about fellowship. And, and we all need good friends. Every single one of us in this room needs good friends. And we live in a time where we're told to isolate and distance and yes, I think, you know, we need to be w aware of that. But the truth is, it can be very dangerous to completely isolate yourself and completely distance yourself from the people around you. We were created to have friends. We were created to encourage each other. We were created to support each other. We were created to laugh with each other. We were created to cry with each other. This is part of why we exist, is to worship God through our friendships. And so we want to make that a pillar of our church and that's why we're doing a chili cook-off. That's why we have a youth program. That's why we want to start new opportunities for people to come and make friends, get to know people, build relationships. Friendships are so valuable to God. He wants us to be friends. And today we're going to talk about discipleship. Discipleship. Now that might be a, a, an interesting or unique word, and we don't need to go to Michael yet. Uh, discipleship. Discipleship, the term actually means to be a student of or an apprentice of, someone who teaches you and trains you to be a certain way. And in, in regards to scripture, discipleship means that we are being trained by Christ through the Holy Spirit to become like Christ. And so we do that here at our church by having Sunday school, by having Wednesday night Bible study, by having a youth program on Sunday nights. All of these things are training and equipping us so that throughout the week we can go home and read our Bibles and we can pray and we can share the gospel and all of these things produce in us discipleship. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. 
But as I was growing up, when I was about 15 years old, the Chicago Bulls were the champions. They were the powerhouse. They were the dynasty. And uh, when I was about 15 years old, I think it was for Christmas, I asked for a Michael Jordan jersey, a Chicago Bulls shorts, uh, Air Jordan sneakers, which were cheaper back then. And I got all of it, and I suited up, and I would watch him on TV, and I had this little six-foot hoop that was in our, our den, and I would run through the whole house and pretend like I'm jumping from the foul line, and I would dunk it. And then I would do a 360 dunk, and I was so excited. I would watch him, and I'd try to emulate him. I'd chew gum like he chewed gum. I'd stick my tongue out just like he stuck his tongue out when he would jump and shoot. And I was trying to emulate him, right? But there were a couple of problems, One problem was I was about a foot too short, (laughs) and I didn't quite have the leaping ability in which he had, and still probably has. And so as a young person, that was my vision. That was my dream. I was going to be just like Michael Jordan. Now, if that had been a permanent thing in my life, how disappointed would I be today? I mean, I'd be majorly disappointed. (laughs) I did not turn out to be Michael Jordan. But you know, all of us are going in a direction. I don't know if you had something like that in your childhood or sometime in your life. Maybe it was in your job. Maybe it was in school. Maybe it was someone you knew and you wanted just to emulate them. You wanted to be just like them. You wanted to live up to what they had accomplished. And I think that's a God-given thing. I don't think that's a negative thing. But I think if our focus is anything but Christ, we miss the true mark. And so when we talk about discipleship today, I want to ask you a personal question. What are you becoming? What are you becoming? Who are you emulating? Who are you trying to be like? Who is the one that you look at and say, I'm going to be like that? If there's no one, if there's no one that you're looking at and saying, I want to be like that, then are you looking at yourself? And where does that lead us? And what does that do with our lives? And so my, my goal this morning is just to look to Scripture and say, God, what do you want to teach us today? What do you want to show us? What do you want to reveal to us so that we can grow and mature? So let's precede his word with prayer as we go to, go to him now. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for the times in our lives, Lord, that we look back on and we can laugh about and be uh, mindful of, of, of how you've worked and how you've grown. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as we talk about this idea of, of who we're becoming, Lord, I pray that you would make it very clear to us the importance of this. And Lord, I pray that we would not be distracted, that, Lord, we wouldn't be absent from you right now, but as your Spirit speaks to us through your words, that we would be open to that. And, Lord, that we would receive it and that, Lord, we would allow it to to begin to shape us and do great things within us. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that we can gather now and take moment out of our life to focus in on the eternal things, the most important things. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss these moments. As you speak to us, help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at a couple different places in Scripture to find out this, this uh, idea of discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, I would say, as you read the New Testament, you're going to see that we were created to be Jesus' disciples. We were created to be his disciples. 
Now, wherever you are in life, whatever has happened to you, no matter how young or old you are, I believe if, if you look at your life, your whole purpose of existence is to be, be a disciple of Christ. And if you don't have that as part of your life, you are missing the ingredient that makes your life full. I believe every human being, if they do not have Jesus as their point of reference, if they do not desire to be disciples of Jesus, then everything in their life will be, be missing. There'll be something missing that is to fulfill their true purpose in existence. I believe this uh, because I look and see that there are some principles that Jesus taught. And so I believe the first thing we need to do if we're going to be like Jesus, uh, if we're going to follow him and be his disciples, we need to obey what he taught us. In John chapter 8, now John is one of Jesus' closest friends. He was the one that was with him for much of his ministry, and he records a lot of information for us to help us to be disciples of Christ. He writes this in John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And so Jesus, he's very clear about what it means to be his disciple, what it means to be his, his student, his apprentice, his follower, the one that claims him as savior. He's very clear about it. He says, first, you need to obey my teachings. If you obey my teachings, you are my disciple. My question, are you obeying Jesus' teachings? Are you obeying Jesus' teachings? Well, what are his teachings? In John 13, 34, it says this, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, he says this is a new commandment because there's an old commandment. We go back to the Ten Commandments. There's an old commandment, and that old commandment says this. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. So who is the point of emphasis or the, or the point of reflection is yourself, I'm to love other people as I love myself. Well, he, he, he makes it a, a higher standard here, doesn't he? He doesn't say just love your neighbor as you love yourself. What does he tell us to love people? How are we to love them? Like he loves us. Can you imagine that standard right now? You've got to love people the way Jesus loves you. How does Jesus love you? Does Jesus have patience with you? Does Jesus show you kindness? Is Jesus gracious with you? Does Jesus think the best or worst of you? Right? As we treat each other, as we interact with each other, how much like Jesus are we? And let's be honest, and I'm not saying our church individually, but churches in general in the United States have gotten um, not the greatest uh, reputation when it comes to how we treat each other. Right? I've heard more horror stories than encouraging stories about church life. Because this basic principle of following Christ, being his disciple, is that we are to love each other, not just the way I want to be loved, but I'm to love you the way Christ loves me. How, how much forgiveness do I want from Jesus? How much grace do I want from Jesus? How much peace do I want from Jesus? Well, then that's what I'm to offer my brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is obviously not easy, right? 
Let's be honest. As we look at these things, there's, there's a big problem. It's called sin. Sin lives in you. Sin lives in me. Sin, um, it's interesting to me. Yesterday, we were at my son's basketball game. And it's these times when I realize how big a sinner I am. Because <laughs> I'm there and I'm hearing other parents talk about how they're upset with the refs and they're getting mad and, and it's, they're not on my side. And there's something that boils up in me and I just get so angry on the inside. And I just, and, I, and I'm like, I'm a pastor. I can't be yelling things. I can't be getting upset. I can't do this, but it's in me. It is real. And I, and I think maybe Jesus is like, I'm going to show you some things in you that you need to see because your son's going to play basketball. <laughs> and there's stuff in us, right? It doesn't matter if you were saved when you were seven years old and you are the Sunday school king and you've been to church your whole life. You still have sin in you, right? And there, it still bubbles up. Maybe a lot, maybe not so much, but it's there. And Jesus is he's saying, look, to be my disciple, you've got to submit that over to me. And you know the conversation I'm having in my head at the basketball game? Jesus, help me not to do this. <laughs> help me not to be so upset about this. Because I am, I am just, there's something. I don't know what it is, but it is driving me crazy. And part of being a disciple is recognizing that you're not trying to be you. You're trying to be like him. And that means he has to train you and he has to mature you. And you know how you do that? You don't teach the teacher, right? You don't teach the teacher. The teacher teaches you. How does the teacher teach you? He puts you in places and he tests you. And in the testing, he says, I'm testing you right now. <laughs> and I'm growing you right now. And yeah, you, you got that one wrong. You got it wrong. But, but you know what is right. So strive for what is right. Learn the lessons in life. Some of us got to learn. He has to teach us. He gives us that same equation over and over and over and over and over again. Because we got to learn it. Right? You ever found yourself? There's that one thing. I don't know what it is with you. But there's that one thing that he tests you with over and over. You know why he's doing that? Because he wants you to pass. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to mature and grow and, and become what he created you to be. And so we're called to love each other, and love encompasses everything. And then secondly, we're to live as Jesus lived. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul saying, I am emulating. Like I looked at Michael Jordan, Paul was looking at Jesus, and he says, I am going to be just like Jesus. I'm going to love like Jesus. I'm going to treat people like Jesus treats people. I'm going to care about this world the way that Jesus cared about this world. You know, Jesus said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. I got to care about the poor. I got to care about the needs of this world. I can't be self-centered. I can't be selfish. I can't be so focused on my own agenda and my own desires. I have got to be humble and willing to serve the least, to be there for the least of these, to really give of myself no matter what the challenge is. Luke really defines this for us. He says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. This is where Jesus is giving us the tough teaching. This is a tough class. This is not easy. He says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my student, if you want to emulate me and, and learn to be like me, you've got to deny yourself first. Deny yourself. How many of us like to deny ourselves? No, we like the, uh, the days where we're not denying ourselves, right? 
The days where we give ourselves everything we want. And Jesus is saying, no, to be my disciple, to be my follower, you first deny yourself. And in denying yourself, you take up your cross. What does the cross represent? Sacrifice. What does the cross represent? Forgiveness. What does the cross represent? It represents sin. Willing to take on an offense from someone else. Willing to love people even when they don't deserve to be loved. Taking up your cross is being like Christ. And it's loving people. And it's being gracious. And it's committing yourself to being just like him. Discipleship is not an easy task. You know, it'd be amazing if Jesus said, be my disciple and you'll be able to walk on water and do all the cool stuff I do. No, he doesn't, he doesn't let us do that side of it yet. I'm sure in heaven it may be that way. But in this part of life, we need to be like the part of him that sacrificed. The part of him that was obedient to the point of death on a cross. And so we're to live like he lived. And then finally, we're to share as Jesus shared and share what he's done. Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. If I was to summarize to you what it means to be a disciple, what we're supposed to be doing is that I am to be a disciple of Christ. And then I am to help others become disciples of Christ. And I'm to do that to all generations. I'm to do that to all generations, meaning my kids, my grandkids, my neighbors, anyone that is in my life, I'm to encourage them to be a disciple of Jesus. Because the only way their life is going to live into what its purpose is, is by them become a disciple of Jesus. If you truly love your neighbor, you truly love your kids, you truly love your grandkids, you're going to help them become disciples of Jesus. There is no other answer. Money, success, all of those things have expiration dates. They will come to an end, and they are not worth what you have to put into them without Christ. The only thing that is worthwhile, the only thing that is truly going to bless and encourage and sustain is making a disciple and being a disciple. And so that's the calling. When when I say a pillar of the church, when I say something that has to be fundamental about who we are, being disciples, who make disciples of all generations, needs to be a pillar of this church. It needs to hold up this church. It needs to be something we are doing on a regular basis. As you come here this morning, I want to be a disciple. And I want to help you be a disciple. And I want to reach every generation that lives in our area so that they can be disciples too. It's that clear. It's that direct. And so I come back to, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? You know, we we have these labels in life, right? I'm a businessman. I'm a pastor. I'm a father. I'm a grandmother. And we define ourselves by those things. We are in a terrible time to live because we define ourselves by the lowest common denominators. We define ourselves by who we're attracted to. We define ourselves by the the hiccups in our life. We define ourselves by how much money we make. And it's all a waste. We must define ourselves as disciples of Christ. We are told in Christ, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no man, there is no woman. There is only followers of Christ, his disciples. 
Our only identity that matters is not that I'm an American citizen, not that I'm a dad, not that I'm a husband, not that I'm a pastor. The only designation that should matter most is that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Above that, there is no identity. There is nothing else is going to fix or be the solution outside of Christ. So who are you becoming? Where is your focus? What is your identity? I was shared with, from a friend of mine, this is a good example of what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who looks like Jesus if he was them. So what that means is if if Jesus was born to my parents and he lived my life, what would he be like? What would Jesus be like if he had your family, he had your jobs, he had your school, he had your knowledge? What would he be like? That's what you should be like. That's what a disciple is. Have you ever took a step back and think, why did God create us? He's like an artist. He's created this beautiful, intricate thing. He's created a universe, and he's created a planet. And on that planet, he's created unique beings that are what? Made in what? His image. You know, when you look at an art gallery, you can tell certain paintings are painted by certain artists because they have a style. There's something unique about them. Do you know that every single one of us can reflect Jesus in our lives? And when, he, and when you see that in someone else, when you see Jesus in someone else, you see his creativity, you see his holiness, you see him in someone else, you see life. You see peace. You see purpose. Do you know that can be you? You can be one of his creations, one of his designs, one of his uh, reflections. As a disciple of Christ, you become his work. That's what you were put on this planet for. That's it. And in that, you have life and you have it abundantly. And you have answers and you don't live in fear or anxiety because there's the peace that passes all understanding. So the third pillar of the church is discipleship. So how do we do that? How do we obey what he taught? How do we live as he lived? How do we share Jesus? How do we do that? The three things to think about to apply this to your life. Jesus had a rhythm to his life. I don't know what your rhythm is. I know what my rhythm is, and I try to make it as healthy as possible. Because a bad rhythm in your life can really ruin a lot of things, right? If you're tired at work, Work's going to be tough. If you're tired at school, school's going to be tough. If, if you don't have energy when you need to get things done, it's, life is hard, right? Well, Jesus had a rhythm to his life that kept him spiritually healthy. And if we're to be his disciples, we need to look at his rhythm and see that rhythm and see if we can apply that rhythm to our lives. So I would say first, his rhythm consisted of private time with God. Jesus' rhythm was private time with God. If we are to be his disciples, if we are to emulate him, if we are to be like him, if we are to be his reflection here on earth, we need to set aside private time alone with God. Do you have a private time where you talk to God and hear from him? If you've never experienced it, let me tell you, these are the greatest moments in life. 
Now, it doesn't happen every single time, but there are moments when God shows up in those private times, and it is like nothing else in life. Because when you seek him, you find him. If you're willing to pursue him, he's not far off. He doesn't hide himself. But it's a commitment. A commitment to setting aside private time with God. Second, personal time with friends. Personal time with friends. Now on Wednesday night, I consider that group to be my friends. And it's a personal time. Many of us share things about our lives, things we want people to pray for, things that are going on in our lives. Do you know what you need and I need? Friends that I can have personal conversations with, that they can encourage me in my faith, that they can support me in my walk, that they can be there for me. So to be a disciple, Jesus met with 12 of his closest friends. And even in that, he had three that were really close. If we're to be like Christ, we need to have friends that we trust. We need to have friends that we rely on. We need to have friends that support us. And so part of being a disciple of Christ is having friends that are wanting to be disciples of Christ. And so personal time with friends is important. I try, it is like the life-giving thing to me. If I could just do groups, I would do groups because they're so life-giving. And finally, public service and sharing the gospel. If you're finding Christianity boring or if you're finding that your, your walk with the Lord is stagnant, serve. Nothing is more life-giving than serving Jesus. Serve. Help out here at the church. We have a lot of things to do. Serve in the community. There's a lot of need right now everywhere. There's nothing more life-giving than serving in the name of Christ. Taking care of people, showing love and compassion to people, doing things that are uh, there to support and, and bring hope to places that need it. Serve in the name of Christ. Serve at the church in the name of Christ. This is how you become a disciple of Jesus. And then share the gospel. If you've never shared the gospel with someone, it is about the most exciting thing you can do. I've done it. I've gone to play. I went, when I was a teenager, they sent us to New York City. They dropped us off on a bus, and this is what they told us. They gave us all the tracks, all the things we were supposed to say. They say, find the person you're the most afraid of and talk to him about Jesus. And I talked to this guy. He was Michael Jordan's height, and he had a big overcoat on, and he was selling watches out of that overcoat. And he, he said, hey, I'll talk to you about Jesus if you come with me over to this, this <laughs> back area. I'm like, no, I can't do that. Sorry. And my heart was pumping, and I never felt more alive. And luckily, I was safe, and I didn't tell my parents about that one. <laughs> but we also talked to a woman who said, I have, I have struggled, I lost my job, I have no hope to life. And she prayed to receive Christ right there. Talking to two other young men, and we're at the pier, we're in New York City, and we're talking, and there are these young guys who are like, man, well, I just want to have fun, I just want to enjoy life, I just want to do fun stuff, I'll worry about that stuff when I'm older. And as they were saying that, the New York Pier police came up into the harbor, and there was a dead body in the pier, and they had this hook, and they hooked the body, and they brought it in. And those two guys' eyes got real large, as if to say, you're not guaranteed old age. And they took to heart our conversation because of that moment. Do you know the adventure it is to share Jesus? You want adventure in your life? Go talk to people about Jesus.
in a loving way. I'm not telling you, you know, if someone doesn't want to talk about it, there's other places you can go. But it's exciting. It's thrilling. And I know even for me, when, I'm, when it's all said and done, I'm going to look back and say, man, I wish I would have done that a lot more. I wish that would have been more of a rhythm of my life. Do you know what Jesus did? He got alone with the Lord. He got alone with God on the mountain and prayed. He came down and met with his disciples and he taught them and he broke bread with them and built friendships with them. And then he went out and healed the lepers and he healed the lame and he healed the blind. And then he said, today the kingdom of heaven is here with you. There is hope and it's not just to heal your problems for today. It's eternal hope. And you can have it. And by having it, you become my disciple. And I want you to share this and I want you to make disciples of all generations. And so discipleship is a pillar of our church. This morning, is this true about you? I want it to be true about us, but it starts with you. Is this true about you? Before you can do anything, you need to be twice born. We are told we have to be born again. We are dead spiritually. To become alive spiritually, we must repent and believe. And all that means is I say to God, I am a sinner. I am in need of salvation. I need your help. And I turn from my sin and I give my life to Christ and I believe that he can save me. Once you do that, he begins to do the work within you. And then he says, I want you to be a disciple who makes disciples of all generations. You know, you don't have to be a Christian for years and years and years before you can be a disciple who makes disciples. You know, you can start right away. And maybe years and years have passed and you've been a Christian and you can't think of one person that you've helped become a disciple. Nothing else are we going to take with us. Nothing else matters. All these other things, all these other things. I even look at Michael Jordan. I say, his life, even though full of great things, is also full of terrible things. Nothing matters. What are you going to take with you? Be a disciple who makes disciples. Take others with you. Invite more to the family. Because that is what we've been created to do. Be disciples who make disciples of all generations. As we pray, my prayer is that God would speak to your heart wherever you are, what he's saying to you, that he would stir it up within you, that you would know what the next step is. What does he want you to do? Maybe it's to commit to a private time with God. Maybe it is to, to search out a group to be a part of, to have friends.